Hello, this is Double Bill, and I'm Joshua Hum 3. Okay. And I'm Brian. Uh, the, when we walked down the street, and then the ice, with the, and there was cards. Watson Jones. And I'm Mike. I really enjoy the dreams where I'm flying. Postal. And you're listening to Double Bill. I said that already. You said a lot of things already. I did say a lot of things already. Theme song. Double Bill, Double Bill. Comparing culture, it's Double Bill. Putting two things together, it's Double Bill. It's Double Bill. Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter. Like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Like a hamburger and a bun. Like baby ducks and staple guns. Record scratch! Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill. Hello, and welcome back to Double Bill. Uh, where we are going to be covering the uh, double bill features. The science of sleep. And also, Tarsum's. The fall. I like that he just has one name. Yep, he goes like Cher. By, he go, yeah, like share, like share, share Madonna, Madonna. Yeah. Um, the, we came across these two uh, serendipitously enough because the last double bill, we were talking about this movie and Josh Humphrey, actually Humphrey, said, Humphrey, <laughs> Josh H three. Uh, of the Snide League. I was trying to make a reference to the the terrible like uh, error that was the plot twist in the fall, but oh well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Humpy. Oh, <laughs> you spent way too much time. Apparently, I did. <laughs> so Josh had never seen uh, the fall, and so both uh, BWJ and I were like, oh, yeah. And so I felt the, like it was sort the fall of, is a movie you proselytize. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you evangelize I, for that movie, and it's also a movie. I, I guess I'm. I feel not a lot of people see, but I think a lot of people should see mm-hmm. because and and then then uh, to to double bill with it, I chose the science of sleep because I wanted to deal with something that was another film that dealt with the uh, the kind of blurring of lines between uh, reality and and dreams, reality and imagination, and also deal with two movies that were incredible incredibly pretty to look at and I think didn't have to rely on like the super heavy dense narrative or a triple you know a a triple take at the end where it Mm -hmm. spins and twists and turns they're both fairly straightforward and so we went into them and I and even though Josh trooped it through because he was very he was very sick yeah um which I think would... And be, I, did it even really happen? I think it was just some sort of fever dream. I, that's the thing. When you were sitting there... I remember tacos, eating tacos, but that doesn't seem right. Yeah. He, Josh was like pulled full blanket up, sweaty, and I was thinking, how do you... When you were watching this, when you were like really sick, is this a good idea? Will it <laughs> yeah, improve the experience? Is this just going to wash over you and... So, um, I also, as a disclaimer, I had never seen A Science of Sleep. And mm-hmm. as I was talking to this gentleman beforehand, I feel like uh, Michel Gondry is one of those directors who has his uh, one really big commercial claim to fame, uh, the Academy Award-nominated and Golden Globe-nominated uh, Sunshine, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And, uh, I like Sunshine of the Eternal Mind. I Sunshine of the Eternal Spots. And then Sunspots. And then you have uh, Tarsum Singh, Tarsum, who directed The Cell, his commercial blockbuster uh, that stars J-Lo and Vince Vaughn before mm-hmm. he looked like a waterbed in a... D'Onofrio. And D'Onofrio, yeah. So, uh, but my... Mostly, what do you think? What do you think of... Which I'm, one? Well, let's go... Let's go <laughs> are, you, are you starting in the order that we watch them, which is The Science of Sleep and The Fall, or do you just want to mash them together? It's almost like if we mash them together... Will our listeners understand what's going on? I don't know if they understand what's going on now. Okay. So, so let's, <laughs> let's start. Let's wait, wait, wait. We have listeners? No, we don't. Oh, okay. It's just us. Oh, God. So I, just, I just edit them. That's, that's, yeah. the only, that's the only listener we have is me editing it. That's about it. Gotcha. Like all podcasts. Like all podcasts, yes. So, okay. So the, the science of sleep uh, deals with a young uh, 
artist, yeah. painter. Is he a graphic designer? He's a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, is he a painter? I don't remember him painting. He's anything. an illustrator. He's I mean, an illustrator. He, he drew the oh, that's the right. He did. Pages. And so the, obviously, so, so he much didn't of, get so those much professionally. Of, so much of what he's doing is always like cutouts and like uh, mm-hmm. like little crafty things. It seems like and throughout the course of the movie, I don't yeah. you know I don't think there's actually a scene with him painting. His no, his uh, he's his, a jack of all trades. He is no, his gimmick was uh, he his parents are divorced. And so, oh no, his father passed away. Mm-hmm. From, yeah, they from, were divorced, but father just died. Yep. So yeah, and he went with his father. And he went with dad, and he was living in Mexico, and he moved to Paris to reconnect with his mother. And she told him about a really kick-ass job designing illustrations for a calendar. And so his uh, he shows up at the place, and he's already a bit of a fish out of water. He speaks French, but not very well. And when he shows up at this place for his first day of work, and he brings all his illustrations, he realizes he's just going to be a cog. He's going to be doing, you know, proofing and looking at, at layout the layouts. Of the and <laughs> the and his itself, not the illustration. Right. And his idea was 12 months of disaster. And so he had really wanted to, like, he showed all these illustrations, which are, you know, the paintings themselves aren't supremely, like, perfect. And they're a little weird, maybe childlike. But when he presents them, he he shows it with his sense of, like, what he's seeing. And so there's, like, animation and motion. Sure. And in between all of this, while this is going on, he has the most bizarre fantasy life mm-hmm. that he experienced. Well, they talk a lot about him, reality and dreams just sort of blending together for him. I think his yeah. mother says at one point, like, you you just always couldn't tell between when you were sleeping and when you were awake. Yep. So, yeah, which and is, that's basically what it is. That's sort of the key to the character right there. And so. the character is uh, Gael Garcia Bernal from mm-hmm. Ito Mama Tambayan. Oh, and yeah. he... Oh, yeah. He... Uh, he, when he do, and he blurs the lines. I mean, he can't look out a window without seeing clouds. And he ends up befriending his neighbors and has like crush relations on his neighbors. Well, his character name is Stefan, and then her name, his neighbor, is Stephanie. Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's this odd like mirroring going on a little bit. And uh-huh. and the uh, the the hiccup happens because he lies to them. He's living at his mother's flat. Who was uh, the landlady? Who was the landlady? The landlady's. Well, he got he got that from like the advice of his like sex crazed coworker. His coworker said like, "Oh, you gotta pretend you're not like living actually next door. Or right. You gotta be like coming from far away or whatever." So he creates a ruse, a clever ruse, and so you see quite a few scenarios where he says goodbye to her and she looks to wait to see if he goes and leaves and walks down the stairs and he kind of looks up when she closes the door and he sneaks back into his own apartment. Sure. There are scenes where he writes her a note and slips it under her door when he's sleepwalking and then remembers he forgets and he pulls it back. And and they eventually find out and play with him a little bit about it because they, they call him up and he's like, hey, can you come over? And he's like, well, he's right next door, but he's like, well, it'll take me Half 25 minutes, so maybe I can make it in 15. But like, you know, I, they're, they're obviously toying with him a little bit. Like, I think they know, well... Like, Stefan, like, in one of his dream, like, reality emergence things, like, writes a note to, I think, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Does he Does he say, like, he loves her or, like, I, I don't know. He said, like, something about a connection between them. Like, uh, I'm really... I can't remember what it was. Well, the note he wrote in the bath was, um, I'm really your neighbor. I'm just a horrible liar. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's and confessing. I have your best friend's phone number. That's right. That's what kind of led to that. And yep. then at the end of it, he said, can I have my best... Can I have your best friend's phone number? He slips it on the door, thinks better of it later. Tries to realizes he did it later. Yeah, realizes he did it later. After he like wakes up, he did kind of slept walk it under there, slept woke it under there. Yep. I, yeah. I don't know how you say that. Okay, so so far so good, everybody. Okay, yeah. this is the the narrative ju- doesn't jump around; it's straightforward. But the the fact that he goes in between like these bursts moments where he's seeing himself in this little kid homemade uh, studio mm-hmm. where his eyes, I guess, are shown by two blinds, two, two yeah. Venetian blinds. Oh, sure. Cool. He's I got pick up on that. cardboard. He's got cardboard and he's got like green yeah. screen in the background. He invites people into his fantasy world, but they aren't really into his fantasy world because it's just what he's projecting. Um, in fact, if you're looking for a movie that has an, a completely linear narrative that makes a whole ton of sense, then this is probably not your bailiwick. But mm-hmm. in terms of a movie where he really he uh, what does he want? Like you never really pick up on it. He, like I, you never he never like he wants he wants to be loved. He wants to have a girlfriend. He has mm-hmm. fits and breakdowns periodically. Occasionally, it's hard to really like this guy. Because oh, I, the, he the wants problem I have with the problem I have with the film, I think, is I really 
just ended up like at the end of it not really liking him like yeah. in terms of like uh, i mean there's well, that whole he... sequence at the end where he's just sort of annoying and crass and kind of like he comes off as really man childish like for most of the film petulant yeah petulant is very well yeah at the beginning of the film most of his problems are bad luck the job is actually crap sure. and he started a misunderstanding and doesn't get out of it in time to be it smooth and then by the end he's just self-sabotaging mm-hmm. yeah he's just throwing even monkey wrenches in his own gears even when he things start to go well for him you know mm-hmm. yeah like, even when you're like he he starts to think that stephanie is like into him and they like like schedule a meeting at the cafe he has this whole dream thing where like oh she's not really there there i'm gonna go pound on her door but she's actually at the cafe waiting for him like for their date right uh, which never happens and it's just sort of or when he has that success and they have the big party for him and was that a dream that was a dream but when he goes and gets really fucked up and he starts screaming at her and well when she was like flirting with a guy yeah that was still dream yeah, that was probably the the least. So yeah, I mean, the like, least clear that it was a dream. I bet but. we we could look at any scene in this movie and like two two of us of uh, the three will like think that's a dream or think yeah. that's reality. Well, we could we totally know. we could waking life this movie and just claim it's all a series of sure. inter, like an onion of dreams, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an onion but. of dreams. Yeah, it's complicated, man. It's like ogres, like mm-hmm. ogres, like ogres. Now we're really reaching for the metaphors. Metaphors. The metaphors. Okay, so. <laughs> So as you can see, it, it, but the I think the thing that to take away from the movie, the biggest thing, is it is really fucking pretty. Uh, I really appreciate what Gondry has done with like the visuals, the scenes where he's flying. It's like he's swimming. Um, yeah. When he mm-hmm. when he goes to create, when he goes over, for example, he does. He wants to do that the thing with the boat. He goes mm-hmm. to a boat. The forest in the boat. The forest in the boat, and he goes over there. And at first, her buy-in is is with him, and so like she's like, "Well, we need more wispy clouds. Now we need different colors of tissue mm-hmm. paper. Uh, well, what are we gonna use for water? Maybe cellophane." And I love it when like you turn on, they turn on the faucet, and it's like the, the color cellophane. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful dream feel because it, it's it's real, it's accurate. That's water, but it's not water. So it's got that dream feel of. I know this is water, but objectively, no, it's just crinkly. It, it's just animation. It's crinkly bits. Yeah. Crinkly bits. Throwing the clouds up in the air and hitting the right note to make them hover in the air oh, to be right, clouds. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just, this yeah. movie is like, it is, it's an onion. I think I, I think what I liked actually, like, in terms of, like, the stuff in there is, like, the one-second time machine. Yes. yes. What I really liked was the one-second time machine. Like, yeah, that, just, like, that's when he was like, at his most charming, at that point, because it's very, it's very childlike in a good way, mm-hmm. because everything is... It's very simple and very fun. And this does this, so it works. Mm-hmm. Because I said so. And then it goes comes back to haunt him later on. You know, he's not sure if he's, like, reliving a second or, you know, it. Mm-hmm. and she keeps it. And then there's other just weird things where he's having a conversation with the sex-crazed guy with the television, and they just up and chuck it in the river. So, like, at the end of the film, did you think, like, she was into him ultimately? Like, because with, like, the... Because she had, like, by the side of her bed, like, the one-second time machine and the little boat with the forest in it. Like, was that because she, her friendship meant something to him? Or, or, sorry, their friendship meant something to her? Or because she was interested in him romantically? I mean, they went on the date, or they tried to go on the date, but it right. never really happened. So, was she trying to... I, I don't know. It's just, like... Yeah, I, it's I don't know where arguable. it is. I mean, I, I saw her as being probably in the same place as the audience... When we were really charmed by him, she was really charmed by him. Uh, she had that extra layer of thinking he was a lot more into her friend and probably not wanting to feel like a silver medal. Sure. But... Well, and that's the but, other thing. I yeah. thought I thought I felt... I, I didn't know, like, his level, like... I didn't know if he was really interested in Stephanie either or if mm-hmm. he was just trying to prove that he wasn't into Zoe for part of the film. Right. Right. So it was confusing. Yeah. Not it's like... It, not like a... Not like confusing per se, but like it's not arguable. Like, not like badly done confusing. Like, like I not we like could this like, movie we could sit here and like talk about it what out. it is and try to unpack it more and more and more and we still wouldn't have an answer. Right. And that's why I really enjoyed the shit out of the movie. Yeah. I think that I think movies like that need to happen kind of like uh Holy Motors needs to happen because <laughs> they they are just they defy your expectation, you know? You're sitting down and you're like, I'm gonna watch a movie about a guy who daydreams. Well, that could be any movie. I mean, what Walter Mitty just came out. So you mean yeah, really right. that they just need to be French? Because they're they're both themed like French. Yeah, films. that's the most French movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I said that during the movie. I, know I said this. He was running down the. I think it was when he was running down the street, missing the date because he dreamt that she was cheating on him. And just this is the most French thing I've ever seen. Well, that and the smoking. 
There was, there was didn't hurt. A lot of French style smoking, which is to say, <laughs> they sure smoked. And they apparently start cigarettes in the last third. Mm. <laughs> in fact, yeah. In fact, I think Charlotte Gainsbourg only has like four fingers and a lit cigarette for a thumb. Oh, really? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, she's time. always like, and she's always looking either perturbed or charmed. There's her. That's her acting range. Yeah. Perturbed so, or charmed. Perturbed or charmed. It's a limited range for an actress. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to have to go see Nymphomaniac if we want to check out to see if she's got any further range. What are we pair? Oh, is she in that? Really? Yeah. She's, that's that's her movie, man. Interesting. I don't know what you pair it with. Yeah. Well, something something I've said about movies in the past, and I feel really applies to this one, is that a good movie transcends plot. The, the plot of this movie matters, but it's ultimately not what you're watching. You're watching the, the intersection of... What's probably reality and what's definitely fantasy. Sure. And how they interact with each other and influence each other. And the plot part is arguable. Are they dating? Yeah, I guess I don't, I don't really be, care ultimately what the yeah, plot I mean, was. It's I mean, it's, a plot is something to drape this imagery on. Yeah. It, they're sort of dating and it basically goes badly. Kind of, yeah. I guess. He goes back to Mexico at the end of it. And Probably. I mean, maybe. He falls asleep maybe? in her bed at the end of it instead oh, of right, getting on his plane. So. In her bunk bed, no less. Yeah. yeah, that last scene kind of, that last scene sort of sours me a little bit on them. Well, that's where he got the most unjustifiably bitchy at her. Yeah, it was it was just sort of like, oh, I don't like you as a character, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, he was, and maybe, and maybe that was totally he, justified, really. Yeah, he was, well, he was but, accusing her of stuff he dreamed, so you can get the whole, like, he messes up dream and reality. But he was also just accusing her of stuff to be mean, apparently. No. Accusing her of never finishing anything, which hadn't really yeah. come up. And being crass and saying really crass and dirty things, and then going and passing out her bed. Mm-hmm. And I was just I, I I was the same way. I'm like, are we are we ending? That is French. Are we ending on this really fucked up note where he falls asleep in her bed? Uh, which yeah. <laughs> but then again, you know, here's the thing. It's Sorry, kind of, I'm thinking about Holy Motors. <laughs> where the, also, like instead of her, it's like a monkey getting into bed with him, right? And he starts playing the accordion. I would have sleep. accepted at that point. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Preferably if it was in a uh, claymation stuffed monkey, that would have fit better with the rest of the film. Oh, but. Plato. All the French. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I mean, open to interpretation, I guess, is a really good way to see it. But I think mm-hmm. ultimately, for me, it was an enjoyable, interesting movie with a lot of interesting characters and a really sort of, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here discussing and trying to figure out, like, like you said, we could each, the two out of three of us will think lean one way and two out of mm-hmm. three of us will lean the other way. So. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I, I liked it, but I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. Like, I don't know if I feel the need yeah. to, like, revisit it like, my, at any point. My friend says it's one of those movies that if you're going to check it out, you might just want to see this one on your own. So sure. Well, I think I think a lot of people feel that way about the fall. Like you'll either like it or not. Like, and maybe that's the same thing here. Like in terms of science of sleep. Like, I mean, I like it, but what need do I have to see it again? I didn't yeah. like the main character, so yeah, why I kind of want to rewatch it? it, but without the plot scenes. Just the visuals. Just the visuals. Just I mean, the, you could turn off yeah. the sound, like of the whole thing, and just um, watch it. And maybe we could play Dark of the Moon. Dark of the Moon over it. Sure, Ooh. we'll give it a shot. Sure, if it's... I like that. I like that a lot. If it fits, I will send. If that fits. I will send Michelle Gondry five American dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Is he hard up for money right now? I don't know. Five dollars American? Oh. Ah. Who can't use five bucks? Is that French? What he was could that? get a sandwich. Well, it could be anything. French, Spanish. I mean, we weren't even sure at this point. <laughs> vaguely European. Vaguely European. It was vaguely European. Hey, it's my garbage European. Hey, beep a bop a boop a. I got my first chuckle out of J-Hump. I'm so happy. Um, my chortle. Your ch- it's a chortle. I have a mustache now. It's a chortle. <laughs> mustache chortle. Uh, for the viewers at mustache home... Mustache chortle is my favorite ZZ Top cover band. <laughs> for the viewers at home, Josh, our friend Joshua, is rocking the most impeccable mustache I think we've seen. It's amazing what a... I, like, random people come up to me like say, Hey, nice stash, man, and then leave. It's weird. Yeah. It it's makes a me weird lifestyle choice, isn't it? it I makes had one you, for a while. It makes you want to uh, put a big black stovepipe hat on him and a black jacket, and he just walks around sneering. Yeah, yeah I need a monocle. I was yeah. really, I was really fantasizing about having a monocle the other day just to see. Apparently, they're in now. Who knew? Monocles are in. Yeah, like, you know, hipsters of New York. <laughs> it's a choice. Uh, so, uh, give me a top hat, though. 
I'll be Mr. Lim- <laughs> well, that'll be my practice, my lawyer practice. Just have a top hat and a stash and a monocle. Carry, oh, yeah, so I can represent you. Of course, come this way. Have you been wronged by big corporations? <laughs> instead of, instead of like, business twiddly, cards, twiddly, twiddly. he gives out Monopoly get-out-of-jail-free cards with the guy. Excuse me, ambulance chaser. Excuse me, have you been injured? I see you. I see you've broken your leg. <laughs> You're walking with a very pronounced limp. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, well, now that we've determined Josh's future. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I can imagine this future. Like, in, uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. His his office won't have furniture. It'll have cardboard boxes taped together and a cardboard computer, They're like all a cardboard. Cards. They're all egg cartons, and they're like, oh, do you actually... He's, like, typing on a box saying, oh, yes, I'm just finishing up this dossier. And they're like, that's a... Have to get that's this a liquor store box. <laughs> Secretary, file this. She just, I just hand her another egg carton. Yeah, she's just a mannequin. No, it's a... When he says, Secretary, file this. It's the cardboard cutout of Kathy Ireland from the liquor stores. And he just holds out a piece of paper, and he drops it. No, no. No, the piece of paper has double stick tape on the back, and he slams it slams into her hand. It. Yeah, boom. <laughs> Take dictation, Miss Ireland. And then there's like a whole like other times where I've taped already to her. Like so, it's just I keep at giving her files, but she's not really putting them away I until just, that she just tips over. Until she tips over yeah. from the weight. That will be all, Miss Ireland. And there's maybe two or three Kathy Irelands like, sitting on the ground as I've replaced them. <laughs> Please give us a few moments while I spend some time with our current clients. <laughs> You're going to be able to tap, 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 oh, There's a talent show at the end of March. I should totally make this into a thing. <laughs> and still looking for fringe orphans. Yep. Fringe orphans. Yes, exactly. Oi. Oi, indeed. Uh, so, science asleep. Should we move on to the fall? I think so. Let's, Let's take a little break and we'll be right back. Segway. With the top hits of the 90s. <laughs> now, that's what I call podcasting. Uh, we're, <laughs> we are... The greatest uh, hits of podcasting. The greatest hits of podcasting. What the fuck? With my own. The Nerdist. We're done. <laughs> and we're done talking about uh, mustaches until probably midway through this next section. We're going to talk about uh, the... We can talk about Luigi's mustache. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. The pea eater. Uh, all right, so the second movie that we followed up with was uh, Tarsum, No Last Name Necessary's uh, The Fall. Yes. Now, uh, we had mentioned earlier that he had directed the horror movie. Uh, horror movie? Is it a horror movie, The Cell? The Cell? It's a psychological thriller. With with elements of horror in it, right? You know, well, I don't think I've actually seen That's what psychological means. I'd have to sit down and sit, watch that sometime. It's... Woman goes into the mind of a serial killer. Oh yeah, I know what it's about. Yeah, but it's great. A lot of trippy, like that's when like J Lo was like at her height. She was yeah. banging in it. That's the best way I can describe it. And she's the doctor who's got always these witty one-liners. And you're like, oh, and they have to show a scene with her like watching horror movies, smoking a joint with her cat, and then she's walking on her apartment and her and her fucking boy shorts, and you're just like, well, this is a showcase for Miss Lopez's derriere. But that's a podcast. For Is it as good time. as Made in Manhattan was for her? Uh, well, God was anything. <laughs> well, as anything, seriously, if we're using that as the abacus of her Made career. Made is a pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shit. <laughs> you just opened doors for me in that movie. Um, all right, so... The, anyway, yeah. The Fall... Uh, is about a little girl who it takes place in the uh, late twenties. Yeah, late twenties, yeah. silent film era. Silent yeah. film era. Uh, I don't know if it has an actual date. But no, no, silent film era. Yeah, is yeah. What it was. I, it, it's movies are an industry, but not what they are yet. Back they, when the flickers were, going, they call yes. them flickers. And so while they were uh, in this in this uh, sanitarium hospital in uh, California. Mm-hmm. There is a little girl who walks around, and her name is Alexandria. And this cute, cherubic little girl is walking around with a box, a cigar box, and her arm in an oversized cast, mm. which gives her this really 
cartoonish, but also quite adorable visage as she meanders around and endears herself to the people. She watches like the guy, and she watches a guy get the ice off the truck for their ice machine. She licks it, and he yells at her, and she sort of playfully. Yeah, she's, she's, she's affectionate. Yeah, there, and everybody's affectionate with her, and everybody's playful, and she throws oranges at the nuns, and she's got a cute little accent. And one day she happens upon Roy. Uh, Roy, played by Pushing Daisies Lee Pace. And Roy is uh, in bed, and he's convalescing, and the story, as he kind of unfolds, he had an accident doing a stunt. He works as a stuntman on the Flickers, and he was doing a stunt where he was jumping a horse mm-hmm. onto a train, a uh, moving off train. Off of a off train track into, into a river. Into a river. Yeah. And he, he, took a, he took a digger, as, yeah. they, ca- as they say. Yeah. Horse done died. The horse done died, and they had a... Uh, crane it out and he is currently uh, paralyzed from the waist down uh, at least mm-hmm. so we think yeah. yeah and when she walks in there he befriends our little Alexandria and begins to weave her a very fantastical tale mm-hmm. um, where she starts interweaving people she sees on a daily basis into the characters and to give you an idea of how fantastical this is uh Roy himself, originally uh, the character who she imagines is her father, but Roy himself plays a character called the Masked Bandit. And then he talks about an Indian who is mourning the death of his squaw. But she doesn't see it as a Native American. She sees it as the uh, Native Indian who uh, works in the hospital as one of the orderlies. And so he's got the huge turban, and he never looks at another woman. Mm -hmm. He covers his eyes. Um, a slave who is played by the Iceman who mm-hmm. works out in the front lot. And then uh, a guy, an explosive expert, who happens to also be the guy who is Roy's liaison in the movie who comes and visits him. Uh, and oh, yeah. lastly, some weirdly fucked up version of Charles Darwin who walks around in this big, poofy, mm-hmm. pimpin' peacock oh, that was coat. Great. Oh, and his pet that monkey. I can't pull that coat off, but I want The monkey whose name we couldn't figure the out. The monkey's name we yeah. couldn't figure out who the deserves a goddamn Wikipedia page. Get on it, Hollywood. The shy so, monkey who lives in a bag. The shy monkey who he sketches. And I, the, right off the bat, um, to go to double back to what we were talking about, one of the original reasons why, when Josh said he had not seen The Fall, and Brian and I both looked at him, uh, Tarsum relies heavily on visuals, on trippy-ass but incredibly beautiful visuals. And I remember when this movie came out, and I remember seeing commercials for it, ad nauseum on, you know, like, like a, it was a preview, I think, uh, before the movie 300. And so I don't know why they paired those together. But, you know, I, I watched my DVDs huh. quite a few times. And when I bought uh, 300, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? And so I read up on it. And it was one of those movies that took this man like four years to make. Mm-hmm. And it took him <clears throat> four years to craft this beautiful movie. And, you know, he's done The Immortals. And if you guys know, he's got that kind of weird slow-mo style uh, he uses bright color palettes and like he just, I mean, and if you've seen fucking The Cell, you know that he can get into some really trippy, dreamy uh, landscape. Um, but what sealed the deal for me is that uh, I think Roger Ebert wrote a review and part of his terminology was that this is a beautiful movie. In fact, he was, I think he was hard-pressed to say that it was one of the better movies he'd seen in 2006. It was one of his top 20 of the year. One of his top 20 this of the year. This is 2008. And he said, nobody's going to see it. And he and I think I think he was right. Mm-hmm. Except when I watched, I'm like, why wouldn't anybody see it? But he said the same thing about Dark City, which came out the same year. Yeah, so, no one saw Dark City because yeah. in an, under, an unfortunately titled movie named The Matrix came out that same year, and people weirdly started drawing parallels to the two. And I don't see it, you know. And I think if you ever watch Dark City, you'll be like, oh no 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 no, this movie is fucking brilliant. This yeah. movie, this movie uses things and it does things well. I mean, it's got what's his what's his butt from Rocky Horror is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Connelly is in it. Uh, Kiefer fucking Sutherland is a nutty yeah. guy, but without the mustache, uh, <laughs> got it in there. You did. Um, so you brought it up, not me. I did. So, you know. So getting back to the movie, you grew it. While Roy is telling these stories I put about it on my how, face so people will bring it up, how Governor Odious, uh, how all these people have a grievance against Governor Odious. And he's telling this girl this tale. He's telling it to her because he's also trying to get a favor. And the favor he asks of young Alexandria is he is very much hoping she can abscond some morphine Mm -hmm. from the pharmacy for him. And by doing so, he can commit suicide. And 
there's one attempt that you think is going to happen, but she, unfortunately, when she's like writing the word morphine down, she writes the letter three, which is Josh's joke from the beginning. Yes, joke. Joke. In my air quotes. Air quotes. Joke. Air quotes. Uh, but then he... She we raked over the coals about that, for that joke for a long time. <laughs> but then later on, uh, spoiler alert, he tries to get her to take some of his, uh, one of the, his roommate's uh, stash and take them all. And his stories uh, become darker and twist deeper whenever he, you know, the, the mood that he's in. And the final time she tries to endear herself to him when she feels that she's failed him, uh, she has herself an accident worse than uh, what happened with her arm and winds up in, like, getting major surgery and going through mm-hmm. her own dream 1920s sequence. 1920s brain mm-hmm. surgery. 1920s brain is, surgery yeah. where you see, like, the equipment. Was it brain surgery? I d- couldn't really tell what kind of surgery she actually had to have. My, my guess is they were trying to, like, reduce the swelling. Yeah, sure. It, it seemed and like I mean, maybe. there was, like, there was some sort of, like, uh, horrific imagery of, like... The sound, the sound of the song. Well, right? the looking, it's yeah. a it's a little girl who's half conscious experiencing 1920 surgery. It's, getting it's 1920s bad as I didn't know if they were like working on her head, her yeah. leg. What? Well, probably. I mean, you don't drill into a leg. No. But if if she damages her head and she trepanation. a little bit of encephalitis going on, then relieving the pressure by yeah. drilling yep. into the skull. Oh, trepanation. My got a chunk Look of skull took out. It wasn't in the 20s either. Whew. So, um, he finishes the story and she begins to put herself into the stories as well. Um, and I'd love to say they all live happily ever after, but the ending is quite a bit softer and a little bit more pat than I think the science of sleep was. Mm -hmm. So you're left to kind of wonder, I think Roy, uh, she mentions in her stilted English that Roy began to walk again and now she looks for him in every picture she sees and there's Mm -hmm. Roy punching somebody. There's Roy riding a horse, you know, and all's well that ends well. Um, and I, I will say, I, I, this is going to be like about the third or fourth time I've seen this movie. And even after the fourth time, it really holds. I was up. wondering why you had like this excellent summation going on, like you had like written it beforehand, and like you'd almost like seemed like you were like reciting I, something. You've just seen it. I, yeah, I, 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 and I've sat yeah. through. And after seeing three hundred, yeah, same. This was at least my third time. Yeah. For it. After seeing three hundred and seeing that preview, though. Um, and also, you know, also I remember actually, I take it back, I saw, uh, I think Lee Pace was pimping Pushing Daisies and they talk about the cell and they showed that the scene. Fall. The fall. Sorry, thank you. The fall, the cell, two L's, the the, the bat, the boo. So he's talking about the scene and I'm, I'm you know, it's hard for me when anybody, when we've seen a movie to like film and like interesting fact toys, like you're a pop-up video. Mm-hmm. But I remember that the dialogue uh, between Roy and Alexandria was m- a little bit improvised, you know? And so there was... All of, of it was improvised, from like, what I understand. Or lo- most of it was. Most like, of it yeah, was. Yeah, he was guiding the scenes as sure. the guy who knew what was happening. and right. Like, the whole thing with the morphine and the three, that was all... That was just a mistake on her part that they put into the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and then when... What she does is when he's like, so what's in your box? And she opens up a cigar box, and she's showing him pictures and telling stories about what happened to her family. And when she's like, you know, oh, and, you know, my father died. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, what? He's like, I'm sorry. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Why? And, you know, it's just like, it's like we would have a dialogue with a little, like, seven-year-old Pampy where there's a language barrier. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, and she's, but she's got this, like, huge missing two-front-tooth smile. <laughs> and she's, she's just, she's charming. You know, yeah. even if she's, she's ultimately. She's adorable. Unbearably adorable. Unbearably yeah. adorable. And, and you can tell he's actually, like. The, the conversation difficulties they're having are completely real because they don't make any other sense. <laughs> right. And they're completely real because if she wasn't so adorable, uh, they'd be like, oh, would you fucking listen to me already? I'm saying I'm sorry. <laughs> Grab the face. Sorry. <laughs> Ricky. You know, whatever. But it's it, they sell it. They sell it really well. Mm-hmm. And when I just they, got a glimpse into Uncle Mikey. Right. I'm picturing myself as a three, yeah, five year old. I'm, I'm, I'm turning my me. face away from Ooh. that glimpse. No, like, that was when that was when my little nephew got running up to me last year on his birthday. He's like, "Uncle Mikey," and I'm like, "Yay!" There's my nephew, and I grab him, and he comes in the foyer, and I pick him up, and I do one of these, and he bangs his head into the chandelier, <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah!" And I'm holding him in front of me, and he, of course, he starts crying. He was fine. Like I saw it at the last minute, and so I prevented like literally, and my brother's like. Mikey fucking A. And I'm like, 
the super the super soldier serum is working, Roman. I don't know what else to tell you. Who Just... puts a chandelier there? Yeah, what Honestly. is this? What is a chandelier? <laughs> Who are you so fancy in a chandelier? <laughs> so what what takes? All right, so you've got a movie that's basically a period piece. All right, and and then whenever he starts like wheedling out the story, that's when I think the four years it had to take this guy four years. Think about like the location, mm-hmm. like the oh, little yeah. the little nutty Birdman with the drawings all over his body. And uh, the weird choreographed tribe that's dancing, and it oh, looks yeah, like oh yeah, the monkey mm-hmm. chanting. Yeah, the monkey chanting. Yeah, and it looks like you know Machu fucking Picchu. Yeah, and... that the monkey chanting in the locations always reminded me of of uh, Baraka. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, just because <laughs> it's that same sort of like here's just vistas, mm-hmm. and you see this stuff, and you start to feel like this is what the world is made of. Right. It's like they wrote. They must have wrote a check for like a million dollars to the location scout, and we're like. Find us some really interesting shit. Yeah. And, like, I want shit that's, like, this is a very blue sky, and this is a very orange building. Or this is an entire city of blue houses. Like, the Governor Odeus' city, you know, like, they were all painted Well, I blue. think I just, like, the location I liked the most was just at the beginning when they were stranded on the little island, and they, they were oh, yeah. swimming and everything, and the elephant was there, and it was also swimming, and it was, oh. I oh, they were all just All that, all that, all that water. Low is, yeah. All that water and them on the island and just the... Just yeah. the, just how it looked. Oh, the blood, the blood oath too. When he when he gives mm-hmm. the blood oath after he finds his brother dead, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and the, the chandelier, the chandelier. His brother. Yeah, yeah, I was like, well, that was. I think maybe oh, that's, God, yeah. that's oh. why it was probably attached to three hundred. Now that I think about it, because in three hundred, there's a scene where they come across that oh, fucking tree, tree of yeah. all the bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could be <laughs> immortals. Oh, we'll put their names to the test. That's my Spartan General Gerard Butler. It sounded kind of Irish. Yeah, yeah Scottish. Scottish. That was really Scottish. They may take our lives. <laughs> it's a hearty breakfast, boys. For tonight, we dine at IHOP. Right. So, <laughs> I have the rooty tooty fresh and fruity. Are you, are, have you been watching Brave over and over again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything sort of digresses, like devolves into With Billy, Billy fucking Connolly and right? everything. Hmm. I did watch the Last Samurai last weekend, which again, underrated movie. Fan-fucking-tastic. Um, so, now that I've choked the life out of my portion of this, what are your thoughts on it, uh, Mustache McGee? What did yeah. you want me to get out of it? Uh, I went, Well, uh, first of all... Well, dude, we wanted I, you not to be sick, but yeah. we failed at that. <laughs> Drink your orange juice, taco boy. Okay. Um, mostly when, when... I like when I share something like this, and it's kind of like when you shared Holy Motors, mm-hmm. you know? It's like you want... And ultimately, when you have something you're passionate about, you always want somebody to maybe share that same You do want somebody to share it with you. And, and the fall is wonderful for that because it is surprisingly obscure, mm-hmm. but it's delightful. So when you get to share that, there's a sense of, you've never heard of this, and you're going to, it's going to be Sit down movie. and watch Come on. you know. And I think, I, I hope, what my, my hope when I pick these out were, one, it would interest the pants off of our podcast listeners so that when I met them in person, they would not be wearing pants. But two, Josh, take your pants off since apparently you're the only listener. My pants are off now. Come All right, on. there we go. Um, oh, he, oh. Never, he, he never wears pants. This is my house. Jeez, I'm all, never in pants. You Always underwear. His, you think his face mustache is impressive? So, I, but what I wanted yeah. was like when you walked away, I wanted that feeling yeah. of when you would say, you know, hey, we just checked out the fall, and have you seen it before? This was a great movie. Maybe not one you own. Maybe not one that you keep mm. around and like bust out when you're having a blue Monday. But something that you can say, what did you take? I mean, what did you do? You enjoy it? Did you like the movie? I did enjoy it. Like uh, as opposed to the science of sleep, I would want to watch it. I want to watch it again. I wouldn't yeah. mind watching it. Again. It might be. I might need like six months or so before I want to sit down. Yeah, and watch you, it again. you might need to space it because I do. I do like just turning it over in my head over and over again. Just and I think what I liked about well, it the most actually, like I, beyond the imagery of it, it's just like I liked. I like the play that Lee Pace had with the little girl. Like mm-hmm. in terms of just like the acting that they were doing in that job. I like that a lot. I like when, like, it's coming from a scripted place, but there's improvisation, like, built into the script. Mm -hmm. And I like where the improvisation sort of takes the dialogue while they're also trying to uh, adhere to what the script is. So I really enjoyed that about it. And I, 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 I like that he had a vision, like, and I'm seeing it on the screen. And I, I think like what Roger Ebert said is that not a lot of people will see this and you might never see it again, but this is something that will never come again. You should see it. Yeah. 
that's what I liked about it. And that's what I kind of took from it is like, I don't, I don't think I'll ever see anything like this really. Uh, I, it reminded me a lot of like, um, cloud Atlas actually, just because there was a lot of like, there was a lot of imagery on the screen. There was a lot of stuff that was being done. That was, I think, whereas cloud Atlas, I, I always want to preface it with like, Oh, it, tried too hard or it's like it didn't quite work or whatever yeah but were, this i think to force this, parallels this, here this, didn't make yeah sense. exactly but this oh, i think yeah. worked just fine like in terms of but i also think it was a very big movie mm-hmm. and uh i don't know how to like kind of digest it so much i mean I, uh, mikey i think you did a great summation of like what happened in the film but there's also there's more beyond that summation that i can't really put into words because of the imagery, because of, like, the interaction between, like, the child and uh, Lee Pace, and just, like, in terms of what it's saying, I guess, about, like, a stuntman, too, like, that that whole culture, like, film in the 20s. I mean, any film like that, I think, really appeals to, um, I guess, people who are in film, like, this, that sort of set in that era, black and white, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of nostalgia for that time, I think uh, critics mm-hmm. like that a lot. And maybe Roger Ebert does too. I don't know. Well, if that's I mean, one they, reason. those days of film. But like the more, artist yeah. for like, as an example, like, like that one, did that win best picture of the artist? I yes. can't remember. Yeah. So, I mean, like Hollywood has a real fascination and love for, for itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, those days was also, that was the wild west of Hollywood. That was sure. more the wild west than the wild west ever was. So, and I, I mean, I think the other... And I like the conceit, too, that, I mean, he's telling her this story that is about cowboys and Indians, mm-hmm. but she interprets it in a much broader perspective. That's that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, when he sits... I mean, it, it's not just story time, because story time is this guy, like, weaving and weaving this fantastical tale. The, the movie, the film, is her interpretation and how her imagination blows this up. And, what I like, yeah. and the thing, too, is, like, I mean, he's thinking in, like, if you want to talk about, like, it as, like, a film film, it's, like, he's thinking of this as a genre. Like, this is a cowboy movie. Mm-hmm. But she's, like, she has no genre. She's just all over the place yeah. with, like, her imagery. She has no boundaries. It's there. And it's, I think Tarsim is trying to get that across, too. It's, like, this film is... Not all over the place, that's the wrong, but it's very expressive of a wide variety of genres and films, and I think mm-hmm. it's interesting. And that's, well, there's... and that's why, I mean, like, the masked bandit, he's wearing like, this weird sleeveless, like, frog button shirt with a oh. sombrero, and, like, the strange... Sure, I mean, it's switch. like, a, it's very swashbuckly, yet, yeah. yet there's all these elements of, like, war and death, and it's a revenge film, and so got, it's just really... never-ending like... firing flintlock guns... Mm-hmm. And, there oh, are a yeah. lot of films, a lot of films, a lot of plays, a lot of books, good and bad, about the the act of storytelling. This one, more than any other I've ever experienced, the story being told changes based on the real-life events. Like, it gets rewritten, the masked bandit goes from being a vaguely Mexican stand-in for her father to being vaguely French to being just Roy, just straight-up Roy. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I wish and I And that influences where the story actually goes, because it's not about this perfect hero. It becomes about this flawed human being who thinks he doesn't deserve to live, so the hero gets worse and worse as he descends into despair. And, and he feels he doesn't deserve to live because... He didn't get the girl, or because he thinks he might not be able to walk again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, have no idea. And that's he has another. no more worth, right? And mm-hmm. so, yeah. and it's history it's, wants to cut him a deal, right? Well, yeah, they don't want to get sued. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Here's a bunch of money. Here's a bunch of money from you. This will this will take care of you. And he goes, "Hey, look at me! I got all this work with my fake leg." And they show him later on, you know, like getting the arrow in the foot and the harpoon and the harpoon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Boom! Oh yeah, not a lot of parts for a guy with a wood. Well, he still has it. It's not like he's going to cut him off. Right. Well, he might. Well, he might. Who knows? Not a lot of parts for people with no legs, but he's going to get all of them. (laughs) Nope, I can't walk. Don't do that, Ricky Bobby. Ah! Oh, Ricky Bobby. I think it, I thought you were doing an I Love Lucy impression. No, Talladega Nights. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, I yeah, I think I think I think a lot about this movie. I think I have a lot of feelings about this movie and I I really enjoy it. And if I was to if I was to say something, I would say people should really give this one a whirl because it's beautiful. It has yeah, the 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 palette is just so amazing. Uh, when the guy it's a gem I, I think people should go see it like mm-hmm. or try to seek it out if they're into like interesting movies or movies that are kind of like on the lower like not like lower but like uh, <laughs> under the radar for people like yeah. I mean I don't, I don't think it's like in the cultural conscious consciousness as much as it maybe should be yeah 
But I even think, like, only being 14 years old, the cell, I think, is falling out of public consciousness. I don't think people would even want to revisit that, even if they're J-Lo or D'Onofrio have boners for those, either of those talents. J-Lo yeah. watches well, it every week. At this point, right. <laughs> That's she watches, wrong. no, she watches Made in Manhattan. <laughs> That's her double bill. Every, well, she really has every Tuesday afternoon. Now. Who doesn't? Uh, no one. Well, the cell, I feel like... The wedding planner is also in that rotation. <laughs> That's what she watches when she does yoga. I've spent a lot of my life trying not to know every J-Lo movie. Um, I would put uh, The Cell in the same category as The Science of Sleep. The imagery I would love to watch again and the plot, I don't really care. God, you guys, The Cell was fantastic. I own The Cell because I, I think watching that movie, there there's a, such a dreadful feel. There's a dreadful feeling of time running out. And they mm, and, and much that. like Silence of the Lambs did... You know, when when Catherine Martin or whatever was in the pit and you're just like, uh, her time is up. She's been putting the lotion in the basket. She's got, mm -hmm. you know, time to fold them. Going to be her fingernail on the wall next. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's dead. She's dead in Nixon. Um, I think that's what the cell uh, holds up is that the cell has this pervasive feeling. And oh, and even worse, it, it's not lotion in the basket. He fucking tortures these girls. This guy like actually fills their cell full of water. Slowly, so that they drown. Yeah, it's very saw. Yeah, oh yeah. But then, like, he like shuts the water off, and they try to get out, and then turns it back on again, and he just watches this, and this is how it gets off. And then after they're dead, soaks them in bleach so they look like dolls, and then hangs himself from hooks. This is like an ambitious movie, and so they're like, we need to find this last girl because it's all on the timer. Da -da 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 -da. He has a fucking seizure and an aneurysm, and he goes into a coma. So then they have to go dig it into his goddamn brain to find it. And, of course, his brain is filled with fucking... This review of The Cell has just turned into a summation of the plot of The Cell. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'm just saying that when if somebody was to say to me, uh, it doesn't hold up, I'm like, I, I humbly beg to differ. I think the... the I think I, we should get you a phone line, and I can just call you for summations of movies. <laughs> All right, we'll do that, but only if it's two matching phones with one button, and they're red, bright red. Like, and only if like they're either, movies. either between the Kremlin and the White House, or Batman and Commissioner Gordon, whichever one <laughs> means more to you. Didn't you, guys, superpower. didn't you guys ever see that one episode of In Living Color, where she was, like, right in the front before they cut to commercial, doing the fly girl <laughs> dance? Anyway, so... <laughs> um, red so, phone. <laughs> so... My point is, see both the fall and the cell, and to a lesser, much lesser extent, see Immortals because that movie is just fucked up. Uh, I don't think I would even double bill it or recommend it. But if you like like three hundred set, if and if you want to see Mickey Rourke looking like a maniac and pushing bronze masks with knives in it on people on traitors, you didn't really bases. narrow down his filmography when you said that. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> or his or, life, <laughs> or pre or pre Superman Henry Cavill basically walking around. Uh, Doing a lady porn shirtless for an entire movie. It's, you know, it's his imagery, so it's kind of pretty to watch. A weird, a, a totally. Yeah, I want to. I, I like his imagery. I like mm -hmm. Greek myth. A totally weird, a totally weird, non traditional view of the Greek gods. I mean, if you've seen either even the original Clash of the Titans with Lawrence Olivier, who also doubles up as Jesus on the Jehovah's Witnesses cards to hand out, or even the remake with Liam Neeson as Zeus. You know, who looks like Jesus wearing white glowing body armor. This one has, like, the the most insane Abercrombie and Fitchy big... I mean, it, like, mixing, sure. yeah. So it's it's tarsome. And the guy has the guy has a style, and I will I'll stand by it. I dig his Sounds style. Sounds like a I, I definitely like... That's so tarsome. That's so tarsome. <laughs> Soon to be a sitcom on Comedy Central. <laughs> tarsome. <laughs> Oh, Tarsum. <laughs> so, so for me, like, I really liked uh, The Fall a lot more than I liked The Science of Sleep. Yep. Though I like both of them, but I I really want to see... I would see The Fall again, like, in probably the next maybe year or so. Yeah. I'd like to revisit it. Well, the, the parts that are real are very, in a good way, very rough. Like, the, the stuff that's real, when you learn stuff about Alexandria's past and Roy's past and Roy's future and what he wants to do with it and his despair, mm -hmm. that's hard to watch. Yeah. That's someone sticking a knife in your gut and slowly turning it. Yeah, like, so, knowing the plot can be hard now, to live and through seeing it much. again, like, I could be able to analyze those scenes, I think, a lot close, more closely for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, a lot of it's predicated on the knowledge of where Lee Pace is or Roy is at the end of this movie. Right. The toe. The toe. <sighs> A toe. Oh, he's like man. asking her to like. He goes, "Now, don't tell me. Just you know, touch one of my toes." Yes. 
And, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he goes, no, did yes. you? No. Yes. Did you tell me the truth? Tell me the truth now. Yes. 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 Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> and she's a little kid. She doesn't want to make him mad. He's like, did you touch my big toe? Yes. Yes. No. No. Yes. Well, which one was it? He just, oh. <laughs> yeah. The man's got to have. Yes. The man's. The yes. stakes are really high for him, and for her, it's a weird game they're playing. <laughs> what are we having at craft services today? I liked Taco Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that line. Uh, I think my yeah my thing is that I'm happy that I saw the signs of sleep finally. Um, mm -hmm. And as a pairing, I feel like it worked out. You know, Good. the ideas worked out. For you. Yeah, yeah, worked for me too. Yeah, and I think along with you guys, I definitely like to sell. I'm sort of which one? <laughs> the fell. The fall. Yeah, the, fell. the fall. The, the immortal fell. The fallen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we, yeah, completely forgot. So, yeah, both Michelle Gondry and Tarsum both are uh, video directors, sure. music video directors mm -hmm. that transitioned into uh, feature films. Tarsum, we found out earlier, was a director of Losing My Religion that won Best Video in 1991 at the MTV Video Music Awards. Uh, and uh, Michelle Gondry. Please turn this podcast off if you think this is going to be a huge fucking surprise. Uh, directed a couple Bjork videos. Oh, hello, Bunga Bunga. Yes, thank you. That's a Bjork video. Right <laughs> wee wee. You just creamy, creamy, creamy. Um, I like Bjork, but yeah, Bunga Bunga. Yeah, if you guys want to do something fun on your own time. Uh, one of the most recent concerts, the Bjork concert, and it's like all concert footage that she shot. She's clearly Bjorked out, and like it's great. She she sampled all of her songs sound great live because she can make them sound like they are all studio bound, so all electronics, all band, everything going on. But as soon as the songs are done, it's like there's no like quieting moment. It's just like boom, like a Bjork song done. And then everybody starts before everybody starts to cheer. She walks up to the microphone. She goes, "Thank you." <laughs> yes. So she's I, just like Alexandria. And yeah, that's true. Like I hear Paul. Iceland just finished a new Bjork habitat. <laughs> <laughs> habitat. Where she can run free. Habitat for... Trying to bump up tourism is what Habitat for Bjork manatee. I'd go. Soak in, a, soak in a Bjork tub. The natural Bjork springs. <laughs> I would have to ask first. Look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> well, now we got to write that page. God damn it. And the monkey. Oh, the monkey. The monkey needs his own page. I think this has petered out enough. A bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we take uh, a little Double bill here? ending with a whimper as usual. Yep. Well, well, we haven't ended quite yet because you need to figure out what you're doing. More whimpering to come. And we're back. Apparently, Josh Humphrey is sewing the cat into his mustache to make it a little bit longer. It's hard. <laughs> All right, so uh, if you're coming back with us, we have completely annihilated plot summaries of both the science of <laughs> sleep. Did. I did. You annihilated. I have commanded. Launched. I have commanded this. We did. And I get my. It was entertaining. I get my pilot's bars. Science of sleep and uh, the fall. We've agreed that the science of sleep is. Really, really an interesting movie and a good one to watch, but not one that we'd really need to revisit anytime soon. But we I'd rather watch Eternal Sunshine of Us Pop and Spine again. Yeah. 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 And uh, The Fall is a, is a gem. It's a kind of a hidden treasure. So if you want to throw it on your Netflix queue, give it a whirl. It's a very, it's a very fun movie. And I think if we didn't spoil the shit out of it for you too much, you'd probably have a pretty we. good time. Yeah. My bad. So, um... Whose turn is the next time, anyway? It, it happens to be Brian Watson-Jones' Well, hello. It yes, hello. it is. All right, so what, what I've chosen for the next time, um, I have always believed in the power of good parody and satire, uh, because in order to do a good parody, you have to really know and preferably really love the thing you're making fun of. And what I have always known and loved and worked with, not really with parody, but with something last year in a play, is the noir uh, style. So what I'm going to be doing is two parodies of noir, Johnny Dangerously and the Firesign Theater track The Further Adventures of Nick Danger. So we'll be mixing a movie with sort of half a record. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with a little mixed media. I dig it the most. Anything else? No. Nah, you, you no, we only do two things. Do I? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So 
Until next time, our uh, theme song was by Ms. Anna Weggle. You can listen to more of her work at AnnaWeggle.com. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Woo! Yeah, Woo! That's good. Woo! Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill.